This is Hard Facts. And Lagos here with you is Sandra Ezekwesili on Nigeria Info 99.3. I'm still talking about what police reform should look like. We started this conversation, uh, well, two weeks ago, right? Today is the, um, let's see, we started on Thursday, Friday, you know, Thursday, Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and now Monday. So today's the sixth edition. If you haven't listened to any of uh, the the episodes of this series, I recommend that you go and find it on our podcast, Hard Facts with Sandra Ezekwesli. We are available on Spotify. We are available on Anchor. We are available on Google, on Apple, wherever you stream podcasts, search for Hard Facts with Sandra Ezekwesli and listen to this particular conversation, especially if you have the ear of the president. Because the president did address young people and was asking for solutions, recommendations. How can we reform police? Even though uh, panels have been set up since 2005, uh, you know, between 2005 and 2012, uh, different panels set up to reform the police and different reports have been submitted from those panels. And those are still sitting on someone's desk uh, unimplemented. But yes, we're still talking about police reform. We all need to have a conversation about police reform. We've talked about police recruitment. We've talked about reforming training. We've talked about reforming operations. Today, we're going to talk about reforming the disciplinary process. Because if the police cannot be properly held accountable for their actions, there'll be no order. Our big hard fact is that uh, there are 20 ongoing prosecutions of police officers, according to the Lagos State Government. So according to the Lagos State Government, there are 20 ongoing prosecutions of police officers, 20 trials out of the hundreds or even thousands of cases that we've heard about where citizens are accusing police of misconduct, only 20 are in court here in Lagos. And some of those cases are up to seven years old. So this feeds into the narrative that uh, not enough is done to bring police officers to account when they break the law. And the question is, what needs to be done? How do we reform the process to make the police more accountable? Joining me yet again is Chief Andy Obofuribo, who is an executive for a fintech company. He spent uh, more than 10 years as an M&E consultant for the World Bank. Welcome back once again to Hard Facts, Chief Obofuribo. Thank you, Sandra. I'm still waiting for my per diem and my sitting allowance. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Now, Lagos, when you call in, tell us your own experience with the police on the street or at the station. Have you ever had your rights violated by police officers? Did you report? Who did you report to? Was there any disciplinary process? What do you think needs to be done to strengthen the uh, disciplinary process within the police force? These are uh, some of the questions that uh, I'm hoping you can address for me when you call the show today. Now, Chief Obofuribo, what laws or rules govern what police officers can or cannot do? So, the cardinal law that dictates police conduct is the Police Act itself. Then, apart from the Police Act, you also have the Administration of Criminal Justice Act, and then you have, of course, like we keep saying, every other law that either outlaws 
an action or criminalize an action, all of them contribute to determining what police officers can or cannot do. So that's in terms of law. But above the layer, or rather below the layers of law, you have the layers of regulation. So as we've said before in the past episodes, the Inspector General of Police has the right given to him in the Police Act to issue what are called standing orders to the police. And it becomes a, a, a violation of their code of conduct, if you put it that way, for a police officer to disobey the standing orders that are issued by the Inspector General unless those standing orders in some way violate the mandates of the law, like the Police Act or the Administration of Criminal Justice Act. So basically, the IG cannot order police officers to shoot people on site, for instance. If that's a standing order, police are allowed to disobey such a standing order. But as long as the standing order is telling the police to do something that's legal, that's not outlawed by existing law, then they are also duty-bound to carry out that that standing order. And if they don't, then they have committed a violation. I see. Now, there's a difference between a police officer not performing well, a police officer engaging in misconduct, and a police officer breaking the law. How is this defined? (laughs) <laughs> you sound like a lawyer. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I hang out with too many lawyers, so it's, it's yeah, rubbing off. It's true, it's true. I think maybe this is a hangover from uh, Madame Landlord where you were talking, because now I feel like I'm being cross-examined. But <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, there are three levels of misconduct for a police officer. The most minor level is what you would call uh, basically non-performance. So the police officer is simply not working at the standard that is required of him or her as a police officer. You can't go to jail for that. You can't go to jail for maybe not patrolling in the in the proper way or not going to everywhere you're supposed to patrol. You can't go to jail for, um, you know, sleeping on duty or showing up late. Those things are... It's not good to do them, <laughs> but they're not crying. Hmm. Now, those They're are... immoral, but they're not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to make that a catchphrase of mine after this. <laughs> but, but yes, there are, there are things that a police officer can be disciplined for. Mm-hmm. Officer can be penalized for. Mm-hmm. If, you keep, if he keeps doing it, he can get fired for it. Mm-hmm. But he won't end up in a criminal case. So that's one. Then the second level are offenses that rise to the level of misconduct or conduct on becoming of a police officer, Mm. right? Mm. So they may may or may not be crimes, but they are in direct violation of what a police officer is expected to do. Now, those ones... Uh, the disciplinary action is harsher hmm. with those ones, hmm. and uh, and they almost always lead to suspension and or eventually dismissal hmm. on paper under the law. Hmm. Then you have the highest level. These are 
crimes. As in, the police officer broke the law. The police officer did something that if you or I did it, we would be in Kirikiri. I see. So maybe the officer stole, beat up someone. Because uh, people always forget that beating people up is a crime. Mm-hmm. You can you just go around beating up people? It's not normal. It's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal. <laughs> I was about to say, how can you hold? But anyway, so the police officer beat somebody up, that's assault or rob somebody or kill somebody Hmm. these are actual crimes the same way i will go to prison for them is the same way a police officer is supposed to also go to prison for them so those are the three levels of of violation that a police officer can commit and are all supposed to be subject to discipline under the, the the working system of, of Nigerian police. Okay, so let me walk you through three, case, uh, three cases and you walk us back, right? So okay. case one, a policeman doesn't perform well. Yes. How is it tracked and what happens? Same thing with case two, where he violates the rules of policing. Same thing with case three, where he breaks the law. How is it tracked and what happens? How does the system handle these cases on paper? Now, we can talk about the practical part later on. But on paper, how does the, the, the system handle these cases? Okay. Let's start with the basic one where the police officer is simply just not performing their job well. Mm. Now, remember we talked about in previous episodes, but in case for anyone who didn't um, listen to the previous episode, which I'm wondering why they didn't, but... <laughs> Okay, so we said before that every action a police officer takes in the in the execution of their duty is meant to be recorded, right? So, ordinary patrol, you went out to patrol between 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. You're supposed to come back. It's supposed to be logged. Uh, if you failed to patrol at the time that the duty roster said that you were supposed to be patrolling, that's also supposed to be a log. The station officer is supposed to keep a record of that. Anybody who's worked in the civil service is uh, is, is aware, understands what about what I'm talking about here. There's meant to be a meticulous, comprehensive record of the day-to-day operation of each police officer, which is meant to be reviewed by their superiors. And based on how well that officer adheres to the requirements of their job, the superior officer is supposed to make notes in their record. And those notes are what determine whether that officer gets gets considered for a promotion, whether that officer gets considered for an increase in salary, during the, when it's time for their band. So basically, there is meant to be a feedback mechanism where as a policeman soeth, so shall he reap. If he's doing well on the job, he will be promoted faster, his salary will increase faster. But if he's sleeping on duty or going to, um, going to sit down somewhere instead of patrolling, all those kind of basic things... Mm. There's meant to be a record that can be used to checkmate him in the te- in sense of it will affect 
his salary increase, it will affect his promotions. It may also affect things like query, disciplinary action, and eventually demotion, suspension, and maybe even dismissal. If his record keeps growing, because remember, Sandra, that record is permanent. His file is supposed to just be there from the day he joins the force mm-hmm. to the day he retires. The file is there being added to. If he is doing well, we're adding good marks. If he's doing badly, we're adding bad marks. Right. Continuous assessment, like we remember from, from our secondary school days. Right. So that's how it's supposed to work on paper for that first case right. that you talked about. Right. So should I move on to the second case? Yes, please. Go ahead. Okay. So second case is issues of misconduct. Mm-hmm. Maybe misconduct that does not rise to the level of crime. So one simple example is drinking on duty. You know, it is illegal for a police officer to be drinking alcohol on duty. Or rather, not illegal, but against their code of conduct. Mm-hmm. So police officers on duty should not be, you know, touching the monkey tail. Mm-hmm. Yet, obviously, we see it happening. Mm-hmm. Now, under that circumstance... It's not just, oh, we write it in your in your report. Mm. We write it in your record. Mm-hmm. What is meant to happen on paper is, let's say I report as a citizen. I'm supposed to be able to report, also, hey, this officer is drunk. Mm. And if I report it, the officer to whom I report it is duty-bound to take action. So if the officer I report to is at the same seniority level or a junior to that officer that was drinking, they are meant to report to that officer's own superior. Now, once the superior officer is made aware of this misconduct, Hmm. the superior officer, and this is all enshrined, let me point out, in the police act. Act, yes. The superior officer is meant to call the junior officer, the one that has been accused. Right. And this is all supposed to be on the record. Uh-huh. He is meant to call the junior officer and in- in- interrogate him or investigate the issue. If the junior officer confesses and said, yes, um, I support Manchester United, they don't know how to play ball, I was feeling sad, Arsenal beat them, and I drank. <laughs> At that point, the superior officer is meant to make them the, the notes in the record mm-hmm. and institute a, a disciplinary action mm-hmm. and say maybe decide, okay, I am querying you or I am marking you for demotion or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to make the action at that point. Mm-hmm. Or if he decides that, no, this is the 15th time you are drinking like this. So is it every time Manchester United loses that you go and get drunk? Mm. If it's like that, you will drink 20, 30 times a year. And we can't accept that. So, but this one, my level, at my level, there's a limit to how severely I can punish you. But you need a more severe punishment. Mm. So let me report this matter to my own ogre. And so the superior officer can escalate it. So that's the mechanism for punishing an officer for something that is not a crime, but it's a gross misconduct under the police act. Right. Now, if the officer says, na lie, me, drink, 
I have never touched alcohol in my life. In fact, I even reject Holy Communion. I don't drink. Never. I don't do such. I don't do it. Mm. If he says that, the superior officer is duty-bound to launch an investigation. And again, if the investigation shows that he is guilty, you punish him. And usually the punishment is meant to be more severe if there was no confession. Right. But if he's found innocent, uh, then he's free to go. So that's for the second case when you have an officer conduct um, performing a misconduct that is not a crime. But then now, what, the case three, what happens when an officer actually breaks the law? That's right. Theft, murder, assault, bribery, extortion, all the rest. In that situation, we actually have multiple paths for triggering the disciplinary process. So here's the most straightforward one. Let's say the officer robbed me and I now go to the police station to report. Mm. At that point, again, on paper, mm -hmm. whoever I report to at the, office, uh, at the police station mm -hmm. is duty-bound to file a report. The report must make its way to an officer that is above the accused officer in rank. Mm. That superior officer, again, calls the officer. Did you do it? Yes or no? If the reported, sorry, the reporting officer feels that, look, there's something here. I know you're denying it, but there is something here. Right. At that point, what they can do is institute what's called an orderly room trial. Now, in the orderly room trial, it's like a court case, but it's inside the police station. Mm -hmm. And the police are the judge, the prosecution, and all of that. Mm -hmm. They look at all the issues involved. And if they decide that the officer has a case to answer and they believe he did it, mm -hmm. they find him guilty in the other room trial. They usually suspend or expel them from the force. But then they also write to the prosecution office, mm -hmm. the office of the public prosecutor, right. to recommend a prosecution in court because that is what leads to prison. So that's the process. That's one of the processes. But that's not the only way. Under the law, you can also go and report to the Human Rights Commission. Okay. And the Human Rights Commission, after investigating, they have the power under law to write to the uh, prosecution, prosecutor, or to the attorney general, rather, right. to recommend this particular police officer for prosecution. Right. And then the attorney general having received that recommendation, can decide to take it up and prosecute. So these are the pathways for prosecuting and punishing a police officer who broke the law. Hmm. Now, if you just joined the show, you're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. And we're talking about police discipline today. We're having a conversation about how exactly uh, we can reform police discipline. Because I told you that according to the Lagos State Government, there are 20 ongoing prosecutions of police officers uh, right here in Lagos. And you're hearing that number and you're like, ah, that's too small now. Out of the hundreds of cases we're hearing, but that's what's currently going. 
going on, 20 of those cases ongoing. And so that feeds into the narrative that uh, enough is not being done to bring police officers to account when they break the law. So the question is, what needs to be done? How do we reform the process to make uh, the police more accountable? Now, we've got Chief of Oferbo, who is a policy expert, talking to us about what exactly needs to be done and how it needs to happen. And we've talked about the, the, the laws and the rules that govern police officers and what they can or cannot do. We've talked about the difference between a police officer who is not performing well and a police officer who is engaging in misconduct and a police officer who's breaking the law. Now, Chief just walked us through the different cases, right? So what needs to happen, uh, how it can be tracked, uh, what systems are in place to handle these cases. But these are systems that handle these cases on paper. Now, there's a difference between these systems being able to handle a policeman that doesn't perform well or handling a policeman who violates the rules of policing or handling a policeman who breaks the law on paper, right? Now, Chief, I've got about uh, three minutes. Well, let's make that two minutes. I've got about two minutes before we have to take a break. But can you talk to me about what happens in practice? Do we have enough time? Is two minutes enough time to talk about it? Or should I just wait until we come back from the break? Well, I can give them a spoiler. Spoiler alert, it doesn't work in real life like it does on paper. Okay. Simply because there's too much discretion on the part of the police and the attorney general. They can decide whether or not to take action on a disciplinary issue. And if that decision was wrong, there is no mechanism for compelling them or penalizing them for not taking action. I see. All right. So let's take that break. Uh, When we come back, you, Lagos, can have a conversation right here on Hard Facts. I am Sandra Ezekwesili. This is Hard Facts. back. You're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. Chief Andy Obofurbo here with us. He's an executive with a fintech organization and he worked uh, as a consultant for the World Bank for at least a decade, helping them uh, formulate policy for malaria control in um, River State. Now, Chief, you say that in practice, uh, we do not have um, these things that you've talked about us having on paper happen. Why has the system not worked? You've also talked about um, it being because the police has to be the one doing the check-in. Now, in what ways does the disciplinary system let police get away with murder, both figuratively and literally? Okay, you know, it's like you always say, Sandra, um, Rams will not vote for Salah. Uh, at the end of the day, when you have it, Can I just say that I like that you listen to my show a lot? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm one of the 600 and how many thousand? I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> we, we try and keep ourselves informed. Hard Facts does that for us. But when it comes to this issue of discipline, I don't know if you, if you notice, Sandra, we have a pattern. So on, on my first day here, we talked about recruitment. Right. Then we talked about training. Now we're talking about discipline. Along the line, we're talking about operations. But if you notice, every step of the way, we keep saying that the problem is that the police themselves are the ones called upon to, to supervise these actions for themselves. And there is little external supervision of the police. 
And we add to that the fact that there is already corruption in the police force. So let me put it this way. Let's tie it back to recruitment, shall we? Yeah. I told you how we have a situation whereby high-ranking police officers use cronyism and nepotism to bring in their own people into the police force. I told you about how because the police control the exam and the interview process, Mm -hmm. they can decide who enters and who doesn't enter. Right. And because they control that, they now use that as a racket, charging money to people in exchange for recruitment, which is what also makes those people go and stand on the road to extort you and I. So already, from the onset, you have corruption that is putting senior officers in a position where they are collecting money from junior officers. Right. Now, we talk about training and going forward now, we're looking at discipline. Mm -hmm. How easy is it for a police commissioner or a DPO or an AIG who has been collecting money from officers below him, from recruitment through training, through posting, through operations, to now sit down in an orderly room trial and find that junior officer guilty of a crime. That's the reason why internal disciplinary processes in the police force don't work. Because they are all part of the same system of patronage, bribery, extortion, there is what you call in institutional studies mutual compromise. So now, they are all compromised relating to each other. That makes it extremely difficult for one of them to rise up in judgment or to sit in judgment against another. Hmm. So what ends up happening is they just all cover for each other. And that's why you end up in a situation in a place like Lagos State with thousands of police officers with a hundred police stations that in the last 10 years, maybe only 20 cases are still pending. I mean, it beggars belief until you remember that one hand is washing the other within the police force. So that's the problem. Now, on, on paper, it's not completely in the hands of the police, right? Mm-hmm. I just told you about the Human Rights Commission. Right. They have the right to investigate police issues and recommend prosecution. Now, let's talk about investigation and then the recommendation, right? NHRC wants to investigate me as a police officer because they believe I've, I've done... I've, I've, you know, I've extorted or I've killed or I've, I've, I've stolen. Mm-hmm. Part of that investigation requires the NHRC to interview me. Do you know what often happens? And I'm not just saying this, you know, from my own um, inner man. Um, the Human Rights Watch actually did an extensive report and study on this. Mm-hmm. And according to them, frequently, when the Human Rights Commission wants to investigate a situation like this and they want to interview the police officer. The police officer disappears 
And why and how is that police officer able to disappear? Because, Sandra, remember we have a national police force. Right. Now, you are investigating me here in Lekki. Mm-hmm. And my godfather in the police, of, in the police, maybe he's a CP or an AIG or a DIG. And I tell him, Baba, they're investigating me. He will say, okay. Next thing you know, I have been posted to Nasarawa. And once I'm out of the area of jurisdiction, it becomes harder for the people investigating to track me down and all of that. The case fizzles out. That happens because we have a nationwide police force allowing police, when the heat is on them, to literally be moved to the other side of the country. And this happens quite a bit. Then that's, that's even when the police are a bit ashamed right. and, you know, and decide to take that kind of action. Okay. But you brought a case today on the Big Three where you talked about the army saying, we are not coming to any panel unless the state government is the one that calls us. Mm-hmm. So imagine how awful the Human Rights Watch summons the police or a police officer for in an investigation and the police officer just basically says... <laughs> and doesn't come. <laughs> now, let's say, in spite of all those impediments and non-cooperation, mm-hmm. the Human Rights Commission finally packages their investigation and recommends that I, as a police officer, should be prosecuted. Right. Remember, they don't have the power to prosecute, only to recommend. Right. They now carry that recommendation and give it to the Attorney General what simply happens most of the time is that the attorney general uses that recommendation as wallpaper. It simply doesn't move. It stays on the desk week after week, month after month, year after year. Again, this is not me talking, even the Human Rights Watch have pointed it out in their studies that across the nation they are there are hundreds of cases where human rights watch uh, sorry where human rights commission mm-hmm. or some other uh, considered authority mm-hmm. has recommended prosecution of police officers and the commissioners of justice in the states which are the attorney general or the minister of justice at federal who is also the attorney general of federation mm-hmm. has simply refused to act refuse to prosecute. Hmm. So when that happens, it's just as bad as when the police themselves decide we will not prosecute our own brother. Lagos, let's hear from you. 0700-993-993-993. You've heard from uh, Chief Oboforobo. We still have a ways to go with this conversation. But uh, at this point, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the things that uh, Chief Oboforobo has been saying. 0700-993-993-993. You can also send us a message on WhatsApp. WhatsApp is 080-959-75805. There's Facebook. We are streaming live. Facebook, Nigeria Info. 99.3. We've got uh, the Twitter at Nigeria Info FM and like I said, WhatsApp, WhatsApp 080-959-75805. 080-959-75805. Lucky is on the line. 
let's talk to Lucky now. Hello, Lucky. Hi, is that Sandra? This is Sandra. Go ahead. Bless you. Hmm. Um, I want to contribute to the issue on ground on the police. Yes, go ahead. Like, I sent a text message which has not been read. Okay. You see, my, 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 my own uh, area is that when I laugh, when we say, uh, how, do we, how do we prosecute the police? Hmm. The problem of police should be from the police service commission. Okay. And the and the uh, and the uh, uh, the inspector generals of police. They all have gone through this corruption in police. And if we are talking about prosecuting the police, the junior ranks of police. We are not doing that fair. We should start the investigation from the police service commission, mm. the retired. Inspector uh, uh, General of Police mm. that formed Police Service Commission and the present Inspector General of Police. Mm. They are all involved in the problem of police. I see. And if we refuse to start from them to the da- to down, mm. we are not meeting any conclusion on reforming of police. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for calling us lucky. Chief of but what are your thoughts on what he's just said? Okay, um, in terms of saying we have to start from the top, I agree that you can't have reform of something like the police unless it is systemic. If you decide that, oh, we're only going to face junior officers, rank and file, mm-hmm. um, you are, you're just window dressing. Mm. At the end of the day, it has to be a root and branch reform. Mm-hmm. But what you are even seeing, like with the NSARS situation, Sandra, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what we're seeing there is that the corruption is so deep in the police that even when you want to tackle just the rank and file mm. and say, okay, SARS, this particular unit, mm-hmm. let's reform this unit mm-hmm. and do this and do this. Mm-hmm. Look at all the resistance at all levels of the police. Active resistance and passive resistance. Mm to that happening. Hmm. Why is that? It's because, like I said, there's mutual compromise in the system. So you have vested interests, both in the police and outside the police, that want things to remain the way they are. So when it's like that, you need root and branch reform. Now, um, the caller was talking about, I believe the question was Lucky, and Lucky was talking about, you know, prosecuting and going after the retired people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that one, uh, you, there are good arguments for it. There are also good arguments that you don't even need to do it in order to reform the police. Mm-hmm. You are even able to say, we're drawing a line in the sand and saying going forward is going to be like this mm-hmm. and you do root and branch reforms. Mm-hmm. So either way, as a policy person, mm-hmm. I'm just looking at it coldly, dispassionately. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have reform without sending every police officer to jail. Or you can choose to go and jail as many officers as you want. Mm. Either one, I think, is a val- has a valid or viable path to reform. It just depends on your cup of tea. All right, let's take ne- the next call. 99.3, hello. So, hello. How are you, sir? What's your name? Uh, I'm fine. My name is Agwoma. Welcome, Agwoma. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, talking about the police reform, mm-hmm. like I've always said, even on this platform, that... There is nothing meaningful we can do why the IG or the uh, police force uh, bosses are seated on top. 
the reason is 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 just clear that except even in a normal investigation, right? Those bosses, you have to relieve them of their duty or they start, uh, step aside for investigation to go on. And all this thing has been a long time observation of the police force. And this started when these ones were even junior. And they are aware of all these uh, complaints coming up now. It's been a long time. So they cannot supervise any investigation or any reform because they are complicit of all, all the things, allegations that is being levied against them. So, in my opinion, I think they should step aside. If the president cannot, if they cannot volunteer, let the president. And that will also give confidence and trust uh, onto the president that actually he means well. Because we know that a lot of uh, reports have been coming up from different panels of investigation, set up judicial panels, set up by the government, and none of these uh, reports have been taken uh, seriously. So until these things are done, I think the Nigerian youth or the Nigerian people will not take government serious. So sure, exemplary, even the climax of this uh, demonstration or protest of uh, youth, if president on the first day had relieved the, the IG of his position, I think uh, this thing couldn't have grown uh, higher. So uh, that is my opinion. And I thank your guests who so much explain how the, uh, the, the system the police act how it is done, both uh, uh, punishment, uh, promotion, all these things. Uh, they, they are just like any other civil service uh, activities. Mm. And uh, it was well explained. And we thank God. But my question to him, mm -hmm. if he's still there, your mm. guest. He's still here. If a policeman mm. uh, is steals, remember they are allowed to handle God. Right. He steals. Will he be charged for armed robbery since he was carrying ammunition? So how will he be treated unlike any other citizen who is charged with theft? Do you understand? Because hey, if uh, I'm involved in theft mm -hmm. and I, I, I have uh, arm, mm -hmm. it's automatically arm robbery. Arm robbery. So That's in case right. of a police, how do you handle it? Thank you. Agoma, thank you for calling us. Uh, Chief Obofurbo. Agoma is 100% correct. I, as long as you are carrying an arm, brandishing an arm, mm. and you're stealing from somebody, it's armed robbery. It's mm. as simple as that. Mm. You know, it's as simple as that. The law does not care whether you intended to use the arms or not. You brought the arms to the place where you robbed somebody. Mm. You were armed and you robbed. Ego, armed robber. So the police officers who allegedly take people to ATMs and force them to withdraw... They are committing armed robbery. Mm. Sandra, the police officers that stand at the checkpoint and collect 50 naira from people mm. while shouting and threatening them mm. and technically committing armed robbery. Yes. Oh. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, but uh, let's uh, take a few extra calls. 99.3. Hello. Sorry about that. If you can, please call us back. Hello. Good evening. Hello. How are you, sir? What's your name? Yeah, my name is Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul, welcome. Go ahead. I just uh, this policy reform. I believe that um, the problem we have in Nigeria is all about our constitution. Okay. Uh, police is not a section. It's when all around the, the whole department of Nigeria. Right. That our our country has come 
to the level that everyone can do whatever they like. Okay. Country is run by constitution. Country is run by rule of law. If a custom officer, a police officer, an army officer disobey the law, it has to be punished. Just like as politicians disobey the law, they have to be punished. There are rule of law guiding custom, guiding police. So why is it that the laws are not obeyed? And that is what we must channel first. Until we learn how to obey the rule of law, Nigerian constitution, hmm. if we have any, and people are punished for doing what is wrong, hmm. then the, 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 the police will not have impunity to, to scuttle people, abuse people for nothing. Thank you. Thank you for calling us, Chief of Affordable. Uh, rule yes. of law, my caller says. I didn't quite catch what the caller said. The, the call volume was a bit low. Hmm. Well, he was talking about uh, the problem with the police being the same problem with every other thing in Nigeria. We don't follow rule of law. And, uh, you know, how do we get the police to start obeying the rule of law? It's simple, Sandra. There's no group of people in the world, except maybe the Japanese and the Swiss, who just <laughs> by nature follow the rule of law. Hmm. You know, what keeps other people in line is systems in place with clear penalties and strong enforcement. So if we want police to start following the rule of law, we need to have systems that are outside of the control of police that punish police for not following the rule of law. That's why we have the PSC, the Police Service Commission. Now, that why isn't the PSC playing its disciplinary role? How can we how can how can we change the fact that the PSC is not playing its disciplinary role? So, Sandra, I think, and this is, I keep saying it. I think one of the demands of the people who are shouting for police reform, who are agitating, who are protesting, mm -hmm. and doing all this good work, mm -hmm. should be that the police service commission work with communities work with the nigeria bar association work with the human rights commission to set up in every local government a committee to handle police matters right. the problem right now is that the psc is just in abuja basically they are not spread out so they they are not able to react when police are not playing by the rules in Amuodofi or in Oyibo in River State because they don't have eyes and ears there. But the law, the PSC Act that sets them up, gives them the right to set up committees, as many committees as they will want or need to do their job. So if the problem they have is we don't have the funding to do that, Look, we have seen from those young people who are coming onto the streets, there are enough young people ready to volunteer for free to do the work of the PSC in every local government just so that we protect ourselves from police officers killing us and getting away with it. So at this point, shouldn't pressure be put on the Police Service Commission to, to empower these groups at the local level by making them co-opting them into PSC committees to interface with the police and exert authority on the police. I say yes. Okay. 
Uh, Lagos, uh, you're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. We've got about seven minutes to wrap things up here and I still need to be able to give you some money on the show and we're going to do that in the last three minutes of my seven minutes. So let's uh, see how how many more questions we can pack into uh, the time that we have. Let me start with um, the orderly room trial, Chief. How do we reform the orderly room trial? First things first, Sandra, we need to change the Police Act, amend the Police Act, so that a particular institution, apart from the police, must be present in orderly room trials. We need to have the Bar Association, for instance, to be able to send a representative there. We need the Human Rights Commission to be there. We need the press to be there in an orderly room trial. So we need the orderly room trial to be opened up so that Police can't say, uh, we've done it and uh, the man is innocent. No, we want to be able to see everything that was done there, determine it, uh, uh, whether it was done properly and move on from there. And then we need a mechanism for reporting the police when the orderly room trial is not properly done. We already have that mechanism with the PSC in a way. So what we should now have is... Those people who are allowed into the orderly room trial should be able to file reports, in fact, be compelled to file reports with the PSC so that if the orderly room trial, if there was misconduct, heads will roll in the police force. Hmm. Uh-huh. And then how about the public prosecution systems? How do we, how do we reform that? So that one is trickier because at the end of the day, the, the prosecutor has discretion over whether they try a case or not. Hmm. So some people will say that we need a situation whereby there is a, like say the police service commission, for instance, or some other such body has the power to compel the prosecutor to take on a case. But the problem with that is if the prosecutor, like say the attorney general, doesn't want to take on a case Mm -hmm. and you force them to take on the case, they will just, uh, you know, sabotage the case at the end of the day. So unless we have some separate... um, That's why I like the idea of like an internal affairs department Mm -hmm. separate from the rest of the police Mm -hmm. or an agency set up only to, you know, try, investigate, prosecute the police. That way, such an agency, that's their bread and butter. They make their success based on how many police officers they put in prison. When you have it done that way, hmm. they have a vested interest to doing to do everything they, they can within the law to bring police officers to justice. It becomes much harder for a police officer to escape justice than it is now where the police officers are being tried by the public prosecutor, the attorney general people that they work hand-in-hand with on a day-to-day basis. Right, right, right. All right, Chief Aboforbo, thank you so much for joining us on Hard Facts. Thank you for being with us from the beginning of this series until we've just wrapped it up right now. Lagos, if you missed any part of my interview, any parts of my interview uh, within this series uh, of police reform, please search for the podcast Hard Facts with Sandra Ezekwesli so that you can listen and you can learn and you can know what exactly to ask for if you're asking for police reforms you know which buttons to push you know which neck to step on you know which uh, nerves to continue to press down chief of thank you so much for your time 
Always my pleasure, Sandra. All right. Chief, of course, is an executive with a fintech company uh, and uh, he spent 10 years as a an M&E consultant for the World Bank. Lagos, it's time to give you 10,000 Naira. This is Just a Minute, Just a Minute on 99.3 Nigeria Invest.